Hey there, and welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to get all of Alenia Church's previous messages. Join us this week for Alenia's Summer Porch Series. Enjoy! Good morning, good morning. So, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I was up here a couple weeks ago, and here I am again. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, last time was uh, just out of uh, necessity because Jeremy had just gotten back early Sunday morning from doing a wedding in Virginia. Um, this week, he and his family are on a much-needed vacation and getting some time away, although we've gotten probably six texts from him this morning. We're trying to annoy, uh, not annoy, <laughs> ignore them as much as, uh, as, much as possible. <laughs> so... Um, Hey, I've got some good stuff that I'm excited to share uh, this morning. Full disclosure, my tank is a little on empty right now. And, uh, you know, you have, I feel like every time God wants to do something powerful, that's when the gas runs out the quickest. You guys ever feel like that? Um, so this is going to be good in spite of the enemy trying to make it bad. Amen. Um, I'm going to talk about joy. I'm going to talk about joy. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about spiritual warfare, and I had already had another, because I knew that I was going to be preaching again, I had already had another message lined up about renewing our minds that was going to kind of be a part two of what I spoke about two weeks ago. And um, about 10 days ago, God started kind of planting some seeds of something different in my heart. Uh, and he's completely changed everything I wanted to do. I am grateful that he didn't do it the night before like he did to Jeremy <laughs> last week. Uh, he, he knows our limits. He knows what we can handle, and I'm not real good with night before switches, so I'm glad he gave me at least uh, six or seven days to change things up. So we're going to talk about joy. Who, who has heard... At some point in your life, you're going through something really difficult or hard or just a series of hard things, and we know the Bible has commands in it to, to have joy and to be joyful and rejoice. And has anybody ever said to you, you just need to choose joy? Has anybody ever heard that? I've heard that, and I have a hard time with that because I, you know, I just choose, you're not in my shoes right now. You're not going through, look, I get it. I know we're supposed to have joy, but right now in the middle of what I'm experiencing, you telling me to choose joy isn't necessarily what I need to hear or want to hear. Um, so as, as God's been kind of taking me through some of this, I've been listening to sermons, I've been reading commentaries, just trying to really discern what God wants to say to us about joy. And here's what I think God wants to say. It's not a choice. It's not a choice. It's a perspective. It's a state of being. It's who we are as sons and daughters of Jesus. The access that we have to joy is based on our perspective. The amount of joy given to us never changes. So we, you know, when you think of joy, you think of words like, you know, happy, laughter, um, feeling, smiling, things like that. Those things are not joy. 
Those things are outpourings of joy. Those things come from joy, but those things are not joy. Laughter is not joy any more than tears are repentance, right? Laughter is not joy any more than tears are repentance. Those things are kind of an outpouring of, of who we are. Um, it's a perspective. Those feelings, the results of joy, laughter, all that stuff, feelings are fleeting. Emotions are at the very best unstable and unreliable. True joy is something that is, it's planted so deep within us. It's who we are as followers of Jesus. So we can see in scripture, joy is a key part of the Christian life. Paul talks a lot about it. There's commands all through the Psalms. Um, Paul says, rejoice always in First Thessalonians. He gets into joy very deeply in a letter to the Philippian church. Um, but sometimes again, we get kind of caught up with all the stuff that we're going through in life that the joy seems to get sucked out of us. And the reality is nothing that's going on in our life changes the amount of joy we have access to. And this is the best, I was trying to think of a good example, like how can, I, how can I make this really, really clear? And this is the best example that I could come up with. So if you imagine yourself on a big, let's say five or 10 acre property and you've got a house kind of at the front of the property and it's middle of August in Tennessee, sweltering heat, weeds everywhere, you know, the grass is dying. There's, you know, the biggest bugs you've ever seen in your life. It's humid, your clothes stick to you as soon as you walk out the door. And every day, it's like, man, this heat, the humidity, the bugs. And Tuesday, ah, the heat, the humidity, the bugs. Wednesday, the heat, humidity, the bugs over and over and over again. And you're standing out on your back porch and way, way at the back of the property, you see kind of something shimmering. And one day you make your way back there and there's a pool on your property. It's like, I had no idea there was a pool here. So I go back and I build a house right next to the pool and I put a deck there. And the minute I step out of my backyard, out of my, the back of my house, I'm in the pool, right? So every day when I walk out of my house, all of the same things still exist. The heat, the humidity, the bugs, the sweltering, the weeds, those things don't change. But my proximity to what changes those things changes. My perspective now has changed and I walk out my door and I immediately step in that pool. Amen. And that's what God, that's what God wants us to understand. Joy isn't, isn't something that we choose because of our circumstances. It's something he's given us in spite of them. And that is, that is how we need to be living Joy is not, and right, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is, a good, this is a good one. I always go through my sermons the morning of, and I kind of look, and I go, where are some good one-liners? This is one to write down if you write things down. Joy is not the absence of sadness, and it is not the presence of anything spectacular in our lives. It is who we are. So again, there's scriptures all throughout the Bible that give commands and exhortations to have joy, to rejoice, to be joyful. 
And I'm going to focus on this idea of joy being a perspective, and I'm going to walk us through a few things about how to um, just how to how to work up that, how to change that perspective in our lives. So the verse that we're going to look at is Hebrews 12:2, and I've talked about this verse before. It's the verse about running the race. But there's there's a little verse in here, verse two that uses the word joy, and that's what I want to focus on, but I'm going to read verses one through four just to give some context. Um, So verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in a place of honor beside God. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in the struggle against sin. <clears throat> so the verse I want to focus on is this idea of um, where it talks about keeping our eye on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. And this is important because the scripture does not say because he had joy, he endured or because he chose joy, he endured, or because he laughed, he endured. It says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There was no laughter in the garden before Jesus was led to be crucified when he was praying, and he said, Father, if you can take this away from me, please take it. But if not, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus didn't find joy in the event. His joy was set in the guaranteed outcome. He knew what the end result is. He knew when he stepped foot out of his home, he was stepping into that pool, that endless access to joy in God. Amen? James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy when we encounter various trials, because the trials produce patience. Patience works in us so that in the end, we may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We don't choose joy for joy's sake. We count it joy, and we see from the perspective of the finished work of Christ on the cross, and we operate out of joy. Okay, we operate out of joy. No matter what we're going through, we operate out of joy. Now, I'm not going to stand here and assume that this is, that, that this is just going to come naturally and easily. I go through hard things. We've all been through hard things. And it's very hard to look at somebody who is going through um, depression or a severe loss or anxiety or things like that and have this conversation. That's why, that's why I don't like the idea of, well, just choose joy. Because that's not, what if we came alongside and said, you know what, let me pray for you and let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on the source of joy 
and get there together, right? So we want to cultivate that perspective so that it's something that wells up within us in spite of whatever we're going through. So I have, um, you're probably sitting there wondering, how do we do this? Um, And I'm glad you asked because I have a few ideas. (laughs) Um, So I have five actually. I'm, I'm usually big on three, but I had, to, I had to get all the way to five today. So here's the first one. Here's the first way that I think we can cultivate this perspective of joy in our lives. Number one, ask. Just ask. Ask God for a change in perspective. Sometimes we have to get comfortable asking for the thing we need or want. Does God already know? Absolutely. When he walked into the city, did he know that the man was screaming out his name was blind? Of course he knew. He knew. And what did he do? He walked up to him and said, what would you have me do? And the disciples were probably all looking at him like, Jesus, you can see he's blind. But the man had to say, Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus needed to hear him say it. Lord, I want to see. And he healed him instantly. Sometimes we need to get past our pride, our hurt, all the things that we're going through and just ask. He's there. He's a good father and he wants to give us the thing that is going to get us through to that end result, the thing that he's already provided. Amen? We need to be a church of askers. We need to not be afraid to ask my, I, my kids are not afraid to ask me for anything. And most of the time, they get what they ask for. They're not, you know, every once in a while they ask for something a little too outrageous and I have to explain to them why it's better for them. Do you not think God would do that for you? God will do that for you. If you ask for something that he doesn't think is in your best interest, he'll help you understand why he can't give you that thing right now or why you have to, he's a good father. You don't have to be afraid of him. I don't, I don't just say no. Well, they would probably, my kids would probably tell you I just say no. But I try and give explanation and help them understand if I'm going to say no. But as parents, we want to give good things. And our Heavenly Father, he wants us to have access to this perspective, right? God doesn't command what he doesn't provide. And so if he says to have joy, you have joy. Amen? He doesn't command what he doesn't provide. If he says have joy, you have joy. He wouldn't ask for it if he didn't already provide it. So number one is ask. By the way, Jesus, I just, I gotta, I gotta keep reading my notes. Jesus made it clear to his disciples that they had overlooked a big opportunity when they were walking with him. And if you remember the verse um, is in John 16, and he said to them, until now you have not at, they were with him every day, all day long. And he said, until now, could you imagine being with Jesus and not asking him for something? Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. But ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. 
It's okay to ask. It's okay to ask. Number two, this is a really, really practical one. Read. Read. This is so simple. Books and articles and commentaries, all those things are incredible, right? Nothing replaces immersing yourself in the word of God, the Holy in Spirit, the Holy Spirit inspired word of God. Nothing replaces that. There are great books, great theologians. I listen to books. I read books. So does my wife. They're wonderful. But nothing replaces the word of God and having that buried deep inside of us. David talks about this in the Psalms, um, just a couple of things. Uh, The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart, Psalm 19. I have rejoiced in your decrees as much as in riches, Psalm 119. I rejoice in your word like one who finds a great treasure, Psalm 119 again. So just simply reading and embracing what God says through his word changes our perspective and gives us that perspective of joy. Number three, this is a two-parter. Remember and meditate. So we've got ask, read, and you know what? I'm sure there's a, there's a ton. You know, talk to God, ask him for ways to cultivate joy in your life. These are, these are just five really practical things that I, that I felt, you know, this is a good starting point that just about anybody could do and implement in their life pretty quickly to start cultivating this perspective. Number three, remember and meditate. Our perspective is renewed by remembering God and meditating on his goodness and recalling his faithfulness to us. Whatever hard thing you're going through, I know that there's something good that God has done. And sitting there and reminding yourself of that is often the best medicine. And it doesn't, here's the thing. Our circumstances don't always change immediately, but it shouldn't change the way we respond to them. Amen? Can you hear that? Our circum- just because we do all the, it doesn't mean the circumstance is going to change. Jesus's circumstance never changed. He still had to carry the cross. He still had to die, right? That didn't change. The hard thing he had to go through didn't change, but he remembered God's goodness. He remembered who he was. He recalled the joy that was being set before him. And so when we remember and we meditate, our perspective changes. Psalm 63, you satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. And I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. Our perspective changes when we remember and meditate on what God has done for us. And let me say this too, we can remember and meditate on the wrong things. Don't do that. We can remember and meditate on the wrong things. 
remember and meditate on what God has done and what he has brought you through. Number four, you're all going to love this one. Sing. Who, how many singers in here? Come on. Just three, seriously? All right, listen, I know you all are singers. You are closet, roll your windows up in your car. Singing. Some of y'all are shower singers. I know we got some shower singers in here. All right. Um, listen, singing is an incredible perspective changer. Y'all, it is an incredible, and I don't care how good or bad you sound, right? We can't all sound like Abigail. It's not possible, right? But God, I don't, no matter what is going on or who you think you are, God has put a song inside of you. And if you don't take anything else, will you please hear this? God has put a song inside of you. Sing it. It doesn't have to sound perfect. Keep your windows rolled up while you're driving to work and just start singing. And this is another sermon, but if anybody has questions about praying in tongues or any of that kind of stuff, if you ever just want to get with God on that whole topic, just roll your windows up in your car and do it on your own, right? It's just you and God. You don't have to listen to anybody's theological explanation on whether tongues is good or bad or any of that. Just, just start singing. Just start singing to God, praising him for all that he's done. And don't worry about what it sounds like. There is something that gets released by the power of the Holy Spirit when we sing and we make melody in our heart to Jesus. And if you don't believe me, I have proof for you. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesian church, be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. This is a huge perspective changer. And I have had this discussion with my oldest son, who, by the way, turned 18 yesterday. Everybody say happy birthday to Aiden. You know, and we, and we talk about, he's, we're both musicians. We're both very much into music. And we talk about the effects of the wrong types of music and things like that. Um, I do like music that isn't Christian music. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, but when I'm trying to get my heart and my perspective right, uh, I'm, not, I'm not turning on Guns N' Roses. Sorry, that's the first thing that came to my mind, right? That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm turning on. I'm going to turn on something or I'm going to start singing something that's going to change my perspective for the better. You guys, singing, I I'm going to challenge every single person in this room right now at least one time this week, give this a shot, please. Can you all commit to that? By yourself, in the, I'm not gonna, there's not gonna be any kind of quiz or test next week, but try it. Roll up all the windows, sit in your car, driving to work, and just start singing and see if your perspective doesn't change. I guarantee you it will. I guarantee you it will. And here's number five. Surrender. Jesus surrendered in the garden when he said, not my will, but yours be done. If, you, if it is possible for you to take this from me, please do it. 
but not my will. Yours be done. And he surrendered for the joy set before him. And this act of surrender helped him keep the perspective of the guaranteed outcome. The joy wasn't in the thing he was going through. It was in the outcome that he knew was awaiting him. Amen? Paul's most exhaustive writing on joy was to the Philippian church. I mentioned that earlier. Do you know what Paul was doing when he wrote the letter to the Philippian church? Huh? He was in jail. House arrest, imprisoned. And listen to what he says. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am, I'm being imprisoned because of this faith that we have in Jesus Christ. I am glad and rejoice. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul's joy was not based in his circumstance. He was imprisoned unjustly. There was no reason for him to be joyful, but he knew the outcome. He knew what was coming. And so he was immersed in that perspective of joy. Now, go ahead and have the band come on back up. And this is the last thing I want to say um, just as we, as we begin to close here. I feel, I feel like already there's stuff stirring and you're, you're, I think there's some of us in the room that are probably fighting this idea right now. And that's okay. That's okay. Struggle with it. I struggle with it. Our family struggles with it, right? We all go, we all go through stuff. Do not let the enemy trick you into thinking that you don't have access to joy. You do. It isn't a choice. It's who you are. And it is in spite of anything going on on the surface. Okay? So this scripture in Hebrews 2, fix our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. Um, I listened to uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick. Some of you probably heard of him. And he says it like this, joy is a focus before it's a feeling. And I'm going to say something here, and I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody. And my wife preaches this to me all the time. So I'm basically giving her a see, I told you so here, but that's all right. We can absolutely focus on the wrong stuff. And it is very difficult to focus on our guaranteed outcome when we spend our time focusing on the endless wellspring of negativity and everything that isn't our outcome that sits in our pocket every day. Is that okay to say? I'm not saying go throw your phone away. And again, please, there's no judgment. I'm, I'm talking to myself as much as anybody else. But when we're scrolling through and we're looking at everything that's wrong with the world, when we're scrolling through and looking at everything that everybody else has that we don't, how can we maintain a perspective of joy with that? 
So that's, that's my next challenge to all of us is let's put that away and let's focus on the wellspring of joy that God has provided. He's built us a house next to an infinitely deep pool of joy. And please hear me, I am not saying that whatever circumstance you are in the middle of right now is going to instantly change, but I am saying that you will get through it and you will do it with this perspective of joy. Amen? All right. Let's all stand back up. We're going to worship one more time. If you do not have this faith in Jesus, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, there is no salvation prayer in the Bible. It's simply a choice to trust him and to acknowledge him. So if you would just close your eyes right now. And if that's you, if you don't have, if you haven't put your faith and hope in Jesus, would you just agree with me now? Father, I choose you. I choose to put my faith and my hope in you and your guaranteed outcome for what you've done for me on the cross. I open my heart and my life, my mind to you. I ask you to come in to change my perspective and to allow me to be all that you have called me to be, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to alenniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information. You can ask about more information about the church, and you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to alenniachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alenia Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alenia Church. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.